today uh, we have a, a special guest uh, Ruthie Montalvo and we'll get to that in a minute before I start let me give some news um, on um, coming from Aslam press so we have some situations going on behind enemy lines uh, within the prisons um, and within California prisons, uh, specifically, you know, we have the families still um, meeting at the state capitol. They're meeting this um, on March 22nd from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., family and friends. Then they're meeting the protest, the gladiator fights that are happening within the California prison system. You know, the state is continuing to use our people uh, as human gladiators, uh, you know, and who, all kinds of stuff is coming out of that. I don't know. They're, they're probably betting on the people. You know, they've done it before. We don't know what they're doing. They're targeting uh, leaders, people of influence, and it's horrible what they're doing. So anybody who wants to get involved, call phone number 562-537-7062. That's 562-537-7068. Uh, call and uh, meet up with the other families and friends who are meeting uh, at the state capitol uh, in Sacramento. So that's March 22nd, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. In other news, we have the Alabama prisoners who are on hunger strike. They are protesting solitary confinement. You know, that's already been defined as torture. The courts already ruled that it's torture. The world knows it's torture. And this is probably one of the last countries on earth that is still practicing solitary confinement. Uh, this country, um, you know, complains about regime change in other countries and torture. And, um, and here they are torturing our people torturing mostly rasa so you know um many people say we need regime change here you know because um if they're going to be torturing our people maybe we need to reverse the roles and throw them in themselves and, and see how they like it but so that's something else that's going on in alabama the prisoners are rising up hunger striking um in other news uh the da in in San Hall has has released been releasing videos of those killed by police 
you know, um, there's been a lot of people who've been murdered by the San Jose PD over the years. And now we're starting to see the videos of this. Uh, recently, they released a video uh, in the death of Jacob Dominguez. And, um, you know, they show these pigs, uh, you know, taking down uh, Brother Jacob. And, you know, and, and what's important to know that it's not just San Jose PD, but it's also a secret unit within the SJPD called the Covert Response Unit. And that's the Covert Response Unit. You know, this is something that's very important. People, the public has to know what this unit is, what it does. Uh, they like to operate in the shadows. They like to, you know, like cockroaches. They like to be when there's no light on them. You turn on the light and they scatter. And this is how these, uh, you know, these uh, scumbags work. You know, they're, they're like cockroaches. So what this covert response unit does is, um, you know, uh, many have, have compared it to uh, death squads in the third world. And they have said, you know, this is basically sounds APD's death squad. And I don't think that's far from the truth. So this is something that we need to be aware of, this covert response unit. Uh, you know, it's, we should look into who is a part of this unit. Uh, who are they targeting? What nationalities are they targeting? And, you know, um, it's not going to be surprising to find out that they're targeting mostly Rasa. And this is how it goes. This is how it's been going for us and our people uh, since the beginning. So this is something we need to uh, look into. And we need to find ways uh, to get these scumbags off our streets. This covert response unit um, basically is running amok. They're out there just doing what they want. We see the video. We see them uh, cussing at uh, Brother Jacob. We see them um, not even uh, hearing nothing else from Brother Jacob. And uh, next thing you know, we hear two gunshots. You know, they were all armed, according to the DA's report, with AR-15 rifles. They boxed them in in a kill zone. They surrounded them. They aimed their AR-15s at them. And they fired two shots. And uh, shot, you know, took a headshot to Brother Jacob. So this is something that um, we haven't forgot. We're not going to forget. And we will never forget um, when they're taking down our brothers and our sisters in these streets. Brother Jacob was a very good man, a, a father, a husband, you know, a brother, a nephew, a cousin. And, you know, he, uh, you know, he, he did a lot of good things in the community. Um, you know, he volunteered. He helped his community. And, um, you know, he was dedicated to his community. And uh, we will never, ever allow the covert response unit to forget this. In, 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 in many people's opinion, um, you know, um, all options are on the table on how to move forward with this. So uh, we are not going to forget this. And they're going to, um, free Aslan, they're going to get a lot of attention. They're going to continue to get attention. We want to know who the covert response unit is, what officers are in there, who are they targeting. And uh, you can forward any information that you receive. Email it to me. Forward it to me. Uh, send it to Poor Magazine. We need to find out. We need to shed a light on, on this death squad and we need to find out more on what they're doing and how long they've been doing it and who they're doing it to so that's something that's happening in our community uh real quick i want to also mention uh a, an organization that um i met this last week 
um, and it's the um, Rapid Response Network. And what they basically do is they uh, watch ICE, you know, and whenever there's an ICE action, when ICE are coming into our neighborhoods, our barrios, and our streets and our cities, uh, the Rapid Response Network will go to the scene, will um, be, you know, watching them, will film them, will document what's taking place, and will ensure that um, they don't cross the line. Uh, when they're hunting these migrant skins, because that's what it is. They're hunting our people. And, um, you know, so this is a great network. Uh, if anybody wants to get involved and, and work with them and, uh, you know, lend a hand in making sure that ICE doesn't just, um, you know, um, run over these people, uh, make sure these people have uh, witnesses, make sure these people have support, uh, call your local uh, Rapid Response Network, 408-290-1144. 408-290-1144. Get involved to your local Rapid Response Network. We need them in every city, in every barrio, in every county uh, across these false U.S. borders. So we need to get involved. These are our people that they're hunting, and, um, and we need to help our people. And this is how we do it. So besides that, um, I also want to mention a great film um, I have here, it's called Symbols of Resistance, a tribute to the martyrs of the Chicano movement. And this is a film put out by the Freedom Archives. I have the DVD here. It says Symbols of Resistance explores the history of the Chicano movement in Colorado and northern New Mexico and focuses on the struggle for land, the student movement, and community resistance against police repression. And we're still suffering police repression and state repression. So this is a very important film. You know, um, some of the people who reviewed it and put their blurbs on the back are Bato Talamantes, former political prisoner, one of the San Quentin Six. You have Dr. Carlos Munoz, uh, award-winning author of Youth Identity Power, the Chicano Movement. And you also have Kathleen Cleaver, attorney and activist, former leader of the Black Panther Party. So this film is well-respected of those in the movement, those who continue to struggle today uh, for us and all oppressed nations' people in these uh, false U.S. borders. So it's a very important film if anybody's interested. Uh, I was given to it as a fundraiser, and it's $25. You can email me if you'd like. Um, and I'll link you to uh, who you need to speak to to get this film. And you can email me at uh, Jose H. Villarreal, V-I-L-L-A-R-R-E-A-L, one at gmail.com. If you're interested in the film, email me and I will plug you in. So, with that being said, um, you know, let me, um, I'm going to be turning to the interview and, you know, before I start this interview, I just want to say, you know, uh, when we talk about criminalization, when we talk about mass imprisonment, you know, we know what it is. It's national oppression. But uh, one of the things that happens is the state and the courts. And when I say courts, I spell the courts K-K-K-O-U-R-T-S. And so the KKK courts... What they do is they create these laws in order to codify national oppression, to codify, legalize 
uh, repression that we face as oppressed nations people. And one of the laws that they created here in California is, um, you know, it's a gang. It's, it's their definition of a gang. So this is hilarious. Let me just read this quick definition for you. Uh, according to the California Penal Code, Section 186.22, a gang is defined as, and I quote, any ongoing organization or group of three or more persons, whether formal or informal, having as one of its primary activities the commission of one or more criminal acts, having common name or common identifying sign and symbol, and whose members individually or collectively engage in or have engaged in a pattern of criminal gang activity. And according to that definition, the police department is a gang because they have committed every one of those acts. They continue to commit these acts against our people. So they wear a common uniform. They have common symbols. They go out and create these crimes as a, a conspiracy. They cover it up. They work together in uniform and concert. So according to the California Penal Code, uh, the police department is a gang, and, and, and I'll even go further than that. The state is a gang. So, you know, this is what we're dealing with, and this is how they reversed this. They reversed it on us. They've been reversed, reversing it on us since 1846 when they first came over and began to take our land. So this is nothing new. This is a, not a new phenomenon. So we have to understand what we're up against, what we're dealing with, and uh, find ways to move forward because this is a war. It's a war on Aslan. So as our people gear up, as our people continue to be educated on what we're up against, you know, unfortunately, the state has created these concentration camps. You know, they have these prisons where they send us in there for decades and years in solitary confinement. They torture us. They assassinate us in these places. They leave us until we die 30, 40, 50 years. So, you know, these places do everything that the concentration camps that uh, Hitler's Germany did. It's the same concept. is to destroy and neutralize the people. And here in California and throughout the lands of Aslan, uh, which the U.S. calls the Southwest, we know that Chicano people um, um, are imprisoned um, at higher rates in these solitary camps, in these concentration camps. So, you know, it's an attack on our people. It's an attack on... Rasa, and um, this is something that we need to uh, begin to fight back against, mobilize, organize. And um, with that being said, um, there's a lot of stuff going on in the prisons. And, um, you know, one of the things is these gladiator fights. We've been hearing about them. Uh, we, we know what they're doing. They're, they're just using our people like in dog fights, human dog fights. They're betting on it. The guards are just having a ball with this. So right now, I'm going to introduce our guest, you know, um, and she has some knowledge on what's happening behind enemy lines, what's happening in these concentration camps. And um, and let me welcome uh, Ruthie. Ruthie, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Ruthie, thank you very much uh, for um, coming on to uh, Free Aslan. Thank you for having me. And um, Ruthie, you know, I just start, you know, you know, the, the listeners, um, you know, some of them don't know you. And, 
you know, I know your husband is in there. He's in prison. And um, let me just start off by asking, uh, how long has your husband been imprisoned? And when is he due to get released? He has been incarcerated uh, for 21 years. He was actually scheduled to be released July 22nd of this year. Um, however, that date has since been compromised. Wow. And do we know how long it's been compromised? Um, right now, 120 days. Wow. Wow. And in 120 days, anything can happen. You know, that's 120 days. They can do it again. They can set them up again. It's just, it's hard. And, you know, one of the things when people get short to the house, when they're about to parole, one of the things that the pigs usually do, they love doing this because they know you're at a point where, you know, you're vulnerable. You know, you, you've done all this time. You're about to get out. And, you know, they pull your date from you in one way or the other in order to just try to break you mentally, man. Just try to get you to, you know what, I'm almost home. Just let me out. I will. And so they set up to pressure, in this case, your husband. Um, in my opinion, they try to pressure him to lock it up and, and basically to tell, you know, to provide information uh, to these pigs, to the prison officials. So it's horrible that they're doing this to them. And, um, and this is what they do. You know, they did it to me. I remember I was getting out and I remember that, um, you know, they came to my door the day I was getting out and they said, I'm sorry. Um, you know what? You're not getting out. Uh, something came up and now you have two more months. The day after I was being released. So I am very aware of the games that they play, what they do to us, how they do it, and they attempt to do it to mentally break us. And uh, I'm just glad that your husband is uh, staying strong and not you know, succumbing to uh, the psychological warfare tactics that they're doing. But let me, um, let me move on and ask um, if you can explain to the listeners what a non-designated program facility is. So a non-designated programming facility is a program in which the sensitive needs yard, previously known as protective custody and general population inmates, are forced to cohabitate and program on a non-designated yard together. Wow. So basically they have PC prisoners and then general pop prisoners. Um, they expect them to just come out together and walk around the yard together and just, yeah. you know. And, 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 you know, and what's crazy is um, some of these prisoners that went to PC went to pre PC because for one way reason or the other, their life was endangered and they could not be on the general pop. But um, here they are trying to bring these same people that were separated over safety concerns and being in protected custody, you know, and doing whatever, um, you know, um, um, being informants or whatever they did, and they expect them to just come back to, I mean, they were separated for a reason, and so um, the state understands that they're never just going to be able to just uh, blend right back into the general population. They know there's going to be conflict. So it's just, you know, more games that they're playing. And they love to play these games with, with our people. You know, they've been doing it so long. It's horrible. But, um, you know, and this is, you know, what it reminds me of is um, 
it's almost like these prison yards are like the Roman Colosseums, and the guards just sit back and watch as these gladiators come out, and um, and they just watch like entertainment. It's it's like a blood sport, and um, you know it's it's sad to hear that you know um, because in reality a lot of these guards are you know they're not just white guards you know there's rasa guards there's right. black guards and for them to just you know but what happens is they assimilate into uh you know into the oppressor's culture they assimilate and um and they begin to act like the oppressor and they begin to um take on like um we're on your side and and they're rasa they're black and and yet you know, they side with these white guards and they just, um, you know, and they watch other brown and black people uh, and, and other people um, just, you know, hurt and, 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 and harm each other. So it's horrible to see that. It reminds me of the Border Patrol where they're all Rasa and they're guarding other Rasa from coming into our own land that was stolen. It's just incredible when you think about it. Like... How are these people so brainwashed that they are going to guard their own people, tell their own people, you can't come in here in the stolen land that belongs to you. You cannot come in here. Um, and, and that's because, uh, you know, my, my, basically my master is paying me X, X amount of money in order to do this. It's just, it's, it's very sad. But, you know, um, it's, it's part of the colonization that we went through. And, and, and these people, their minds are colonized. These guards who are doing this, you know, it's, it's, they're brainwashed and it's horrible. But um, let me get to another question, though. Uh, in the last nine months, how many incidents has there been in connection to these gladiator fights in the, in the prisons? So in the last nine months, I've documented 25 NDPF-related incidents. Wow. Um, mind you, though, these are only those that I can substantiate, um, either by speaking directly to the families or receiving the inmates' RVRs or their 115s. Mm. And so what those 25 incidents consisted of were riots, batteries, stabbings, beatings with locks so wow. violence of that that nature wow uh, but i think there are many more incidents that are just not being put out there 29 absolutely because you know uh, yeah as as my husband encountered his first incident he said it was like a domino effect you wow. you you know they walk them out um in very small numbers or typically by themselves and then you'll just see them start trailing into abseg as they get attacked wow and and I think sometimes they don't even write people, you know, sometimes they get written up, but sometimes, like you said, there's probably a lot of other incidents that they're doing. They're just cracking doors open and, you know, allowing people to go at it. And then, you know, they cover it up. There's always cover cover ups yeah. in, in prison. So this is 29 that you heard of that you that are documented that are out there. But there's a whole lot more that, that's going. And that's 29 possible um people that could have been killed you know 29 exactly. bodies and you know and and to think that they're allowed to do this and the majority of the public uh doesn't know about it i'm sure most of the listeners have never heard of this 
You know, it's incredible that they're able to do this. Nobody cares. Nobody talks about it. We don't see it on the news. We don't see it on these corporate media stations. We hear about none of it. And, and, and this is, you know, these are attacks on our people. So uh, it's horrible that, that this happens. And, 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 and it's almost as if it, it gets covered up, swept under the rug. And, um, and, and you know, um, and so in this, um, and let me ask you this. How many prisons did you find out in your research how many different prisons these 29 or so uh, incidents occurred? Was it like in one prison, two prisons? No. I think we have 15 or 16 documented different prisons. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And, 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 and these were actually on the, um, the level ones and twos. The, actually, oh. the majority of the incidents were occurring on level ones. Wow. So that's, that's, that's interesting that, you know, you know, when I was in prison, I was level four. I didn't get to make, I, I made it to level three one time in my life. But just to think, I've never been to a level one and two, but it, those have always been like, hey, you do real good and you get yeah. down to level one or two and it's supposed to be a reward. Like, you know what? I did good for so many years, 10, 20 years. And, um, and, and, and then you get down there and then next thing you know, they send you off to these gladiator camps. So it, it just, it's incredible that, that this, this is happening. It's, it's incredible that um, there's not an uproar, that the public is not going crazy, you know, because when we hear about them, uh, U.S. soldiers in other countries being held for, you know, two days in, in, in isolation, you know, the media goes crazy. We see everybody crying on TV and they're torturing uh, Americans and all this stuff. But you could have our people, Rasa, in solitary and in these gladiator camps for years and decades, and nobody gives a damn. And so this is a rude awakening, but it's, it's also a concrete example of our national oppression. Because, you know, when, when I talk about national oppression, I'm not just talking about uh, a theory or, you know, in theory or, you know, uh, 200 years ago. I'm talking about it today. You know, we face national oppression today, and your husband's a prime example of what's occurring because had your husband been a multimillionaire from, you know, um, Bel Air, uh, I guarantee he wouldn't be uh, used as no gladiator, you know? And, I agree. You know, and that's how it is. That's how it works, you know, especially uh, if he was a white prisoner from Bel Air, he sure in the hell wouldn't be uh, used as no gladiator. So this is what they've been doing to us. They continue to do it. And, um, you know, and, 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 you know, we need to understand what this is. It's just not a warden. It's just not a couple of rogue guards. It's just not, you know, this prison's crooked. This is national oppression. This is state repression. And when I talk about the state, I'm not just saying the state of California. I'm talking about the state apparatus. That includes uh, government, military, politicians, Congress, all of the above, the state apparatus as 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 a system, um, you know, they're they're the ones that um, you know they're the ones that are creating this environment, uh, these conditions that keep us oppressed in order that we can organize, we can mobilize, and as a result, we can rise up. So this is what this is all about, and this is why they target our leaders. They target our leaders to put them in isolation, to neutralize them, and, and you know, 
make them go crazy and all this stuff. They target. They don't just target, you know, somebody who got went to prison for shoplifting and, uh, you know, he was, uh, you know. No, they target our leaders. They get the those who have influence, those who, you know, people listen to and follow. And these are the leaders. They target the leaders, send them to these concentration camps and, and you know, do all this crazy stuff to them to try to break them mentally, physically, and, um, you know, break their spirits, their revolutionary spirits, their fighting spirits in order to get information and to serve as examples to other prisoners. Um, use it as a defeat to the people. Use it as, you know, um, and, and, and to push their agenda. So... This is, uh, th this is um, yeah, this is something that we have to know what it is, recognize it for what it is. And, um, but let me ask you, on February 11th, what mm -hmm. occurred to your husband um, there in prison? So on February 11th, he had actually just been transferred in a few days prior. When he got to this particular facility, he was told that uh, they didn't have housing available for him. They didn't even know why he was transferred there. Um, but they did take him to committee on, on the 11th and he was actually put out onto a level one NDPF yard and he was battered by 13 inmates. Wow. Um, the documentation, however, states he was only attacked by two. And when they called the code, they actually called the code for a one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so my husband's injuries range from a broken nose, head contusions. He had, um, a laceration on his face and a laceration on his neck. Wow. Yeah. Damn it. And, and, and did he receive stitches for that? I don't believe so. Wow. And that's, yeah, that's... Um... And he said that basically the correctional officers sat back and watched it, let it happen, and they were laughing about it. They thought it was funny. Oh. Yeah, and that's what they do. They laugh about it. To them, it's a game. To them, it's like, you know, they, they love it. They, they actually get off on it. They, they enjoy do. it. They're, they they're really sick. do. They're sadistic. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're sick people who, this is why a lot of them go into this line of work in order to, um, you know, in order um, to, to, you know, um, be able to exercise their sickness. Um, yeah. And so it's horrible that they do this, and it, they were laughing at your husband and stuff, and, you know, it's just... And that was just the first incident. Um, he's actually had three incidents now. Wow. So, so le then, you know, less than 40, or 48 hours later, they put him again on the same yard. Wow. Um, but this time it was just a one-on-one, -on -one, which, you know, was better than him being attacked by a large group. <sighs> and then they did take him to committee on the 22nd, put him up for transfer, but something didn't, I guess they didn't, you know, check a box or something. So they took him back to committee again on the 28th. Mm. Um, and the captain, as well as the CC2, recommended he be transferred out to a non-integrated yard, level him up. He obviously can't program on an NDPF yard. And the warden was actually in attendance. And the warden asked him, what will you do if I throw you on a level two NDPF yard? And he said, I'm a general population inmate. I program with general population inmates. And the warden said, get him the hell out of here and throw him on the level two. And the level, so, and the level two was one of those integrated... Another integrated yard wow. at the same prison. So yeah, the, so again, he was attacked by three inmates mm -hmm. um, on the 28th. 
I actually visited him on the second and third. And, you know, as of the last letter I received, I was under the impression he was in the whole pending transfer. So I about passed out when I saw him come to the glass. Wow. You know, obviously his nose was rebroken. He had a black eye. His lip was split. I could see the cuts on his face, his neck from from the previous incident. Um, That's incredible. You know, I, I haven't, in all honesty, I have not heard of anyone across the state of California being forced to integrate more than twice. Usually if they have one incident, they'll level them up. They're, you know, basically being program failures. Maybe you'll hear a second, a second occurrence. I've never heard of a third. Um, I really feel that my husband was specifically targeted Mm. because of my active role against non-designated programming facilities. Mm. I've been very involved for about a year Mm. and, you know, leading this movement. And, and I'm, I'm very well known within the prison system. Mm. Well, that's, that's great. That's excellent that you continue to fight. You're actually fighting the state and, you know, you're, 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 you know, we're on the same, you we're on the same side. We're, we're all fighting the state here and here at Free Aslan, uh, you know, Free Aslan is a, is liberated airwaves where we say what we want and we discuss things that we need to discuss. And, um, you know, and, and we're all fighting the state repression. And, um, yeah, and that's that's what they do. And, and one of the things that, you know, I was going to tell you the same thing you just said about your husband is that they obviously targeted him. And, you know, um, you know, on the on the one hand, it's always bad when we're targeted. But, you know, on the other hand, you know, um, you know, it's 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 better that, you know, if if we weren't attacked by the state, then I would say something's wrong. We're doing something wrong. You know, we're if we're not attacked by the enemy, then that means the enemy does not see us as a threat. That means the enemy basically sees us as we're on the same side as the enemy because they're not going to attack us. So when they attack us, it actually allows us to understand that we have drew, drawn that line, uh, you know, as, as Chairman Mao said, drawn that line of demarcation. We've drawn a line in the sand uh, between us and the enemy, and that's a good thing. You know, it's a good thing when we can distinguish ourselves from the enemy so yeah it's messed up when we're attacked by the enemy when you know we're, we're raided when we're you know hemmed up when we're always uh pulled over when we're you know whatever locked up you know whatever it may be it's a bad thing um but it's also a good thing but because it tells us that um we're doing something good and that the enemy does see us um not on its side but uh, on the opposite side, and that's a good thing. It, you know, it tells us that that we are doing doing very good things. But um, you know, and 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 um, I want to get uh, let me get another question, uh, one uh, one more question before we take a break. We're gonna be taking a short little music break. But let me just say, um, uh, what occurred on February fifteenth? No, that would have been the 13th. That was when oh, he was 13th. again placed on that on the same yard, 40 oh. less than 48 hours after February 11th. Oh, wow. 48 hours later, they sent him back? Yeah, and he was basically obviously still injured, so. Wow. Yeah, but at least that was just a one-on-one. And so hmm. in the interim, I contacted the warden's office. I contacted Ralph Diaz's office, the office of the inspector general, the ombudsman, the chief ombudsman, and the governor's office. 
Um, I basically raised hell because my husband's attorney had been trying to see him for three weeks and they could, they intentionally were delaying the process. He submitted the application. Then they said, well, that's not good enough. We need a letter giving detail, a detailed explanation as to why you want to see this client. I researched the title 15. There is absolutely nothing that states that they must uh, provide a detailed letter describing the nature of the visit. That's a violation of attorney client privilege. Wow. Yeah. And they violate their own laws. Like I said, in the absolutely. Be- they make up their yeah. own rules. They, they go it, as they, it's it's yeah. such a shame that this the state based agency who, you know, we taxpayers pay their salaries. Yeah. Our acts are, their acts are more criminal than those they have. And they're the biggest criminals, as a matter they of really fact. They really are. They are the biggest criminals. The police are the biggest gang in the U.S. And, you know, the, the, the military is the biggest gang in the world. So they do the same thing. You know, I've said it before on my uh, program that, you know, um, they cry about drive-by shootings. But the thing is, they're doing fly-by shootings. They're driving around the country in these drones doing fly-by shootings. They're in their, you know, so... They're just full of it. You know, I don't want to hear nothing they have to say because they're full of it. They're laws. They're full of it. And um, and this is a perfect example of that. They create these laws. They don't go by them. They use them against us when they should be applied to them. They call us gang members when they're the biggest gangs. It's, it's just ridiculous. It's a joke. But I'm glad that you're able to identify that, even um, having never been, uh, you know, in, in some of these situations we're talking about, you still identify it, and that's a beautiful thing, and uh, and that's why uh, they're doing the things that they're doing, because they know that you've identified it, and that they know you will not give up, you'll continue to struggle, and you'll continue to be um, an inspiration for other wives other family members who their loved ones are in prisons and jails who are either involved in these gladiator fights or they're gonna be sent to these facilities these coliseums and so a lot of our listeners have loved ones uh, who are incarcerated so uh, i'm very very happy to have you on today on free aslan and um and 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 we're gonna come back in a minute we're gonna take a short break uh, here's some music real quick, and we'll be back. So, this is JV KEXU 96.1 FM, and we'll be taking a short break.
This is KEXU 96.1 FM, uh, Poe People's Revolutionary Radio. I'm JV, and you're listening to Free Aslan. And uh, Ruthie, are you there? I'm here. Okay. And, you know, on the break, I was just um, thinking about how they label our people as gang members. You know, the the state, and we're talking about who the biggest gang is. And, you know, I just want to read a short paragraph out of this book there's a very important book chicano power and the struggle for aslan and it's a very beautiful book uh written by prisoners in california and um and it tells our history and struggles and um but one of the sub chapters and it's titled 
Pandillas Our Red Guards. And this particular um, subchapter uh, discusses gangs and it discusses um, how they label us and our people as gang. You know, they labeled uh, if Pancho Villa was alive today, they would label him a gang member. You know, back then they labeled them uh, freedom fighters as bandits. And today they, they label um, anybody who resists the state. Uh, revolutionaries, anybody in resistance, anybody who organizes their communities, they, they, they label as gang members because uh, organizing our community uh, is in opposition to the state because we're not a part of the state. That you know, we we drew that line. There, we have a line between us. We're not a part of the state. We you know we have our own national interests, and they understand that. So when we mobilize our communities and organize our communities. They label us as gangs, which is false. But this book, yeah, quickly it just says that um, when it comes to gangs, it says this label is meant to keep our youth in a constant state of oppression, not only from the state, i.e. the pigs, courts, prisons, etc., but also to v divide the people in the barrio. The state define defining our youth as gang members creates a division of the people and cultivates an us-versus-them mentality. These antagonisms help strengthen the imperialist agenda by creating a snitch network, or in some cases getting the hatred to build in a village to the point where some physically fight on America's side against their own nation. A people will begin to believe these false labels and not only separate themselves from these labeled people, but in some cases help destroy them. And that's very powerful right there, you know, because the, you know, language is very powerful. It's very influential. And when they label our people as gang members, they're basically uh, attempting to uh, uh, separate our people to um, basically to get those who ain't labeled as gang members to look at those who are labeled as gang members like they are not part of them so you know they've done something bad they're bad people when in reality um you know we have the same national interests and we all come from the chicano nation so the state understand this they use this as a, a divide and conquer they do it all over the world you know in afghanistan they'll label certain individuals as you know part of this network or that network and get the rest of the village against them and it works because they create these snitch networks where a lot of the population will become snitches and help the state to uh, attack their own people so they've been doing this a long time they know what they're doing they've you know perfected this art of manipulation and they're continuing to do this with these gang labels and as we already talked about we know who the biggest gang is and and, and that's the police and america so but besides that um you know i just wanted to read real quick i was thinking about this these labels these false labels and you know uh, our people are good people in prison and they can label them anything they want and we still ain't going to turn our back on our people we love our people we love our family our loved ones our you know the wives the husbands the brothers the sisters the primos the primas the homies we love our people and just because we're out here living good lives doing good things that don't mean we're ever going to turn our back on our people we love our people we struggle with them and we're going to continue to resist side by side our people so i just wanted to 
get that out there. But let me move on because we're going to be running out of time. Let me just throw in another question. Um, why do you think the state is initiating these gladiator fights? Uh, my personal opinion is that I believe that they are initiating these fights to secure their jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, we've passed many propositions and Senate bills that have aided in early release for the incarcerated. What a better way to uh, sabotage them than to forcibly house them with their enemies and incite violence. Mm-hmm. You know, mind you, these are level ones and twos. They haven't seen this magnitude of violence in decades. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. You know, right. and if, in my husband's case, you know, he was, he had zero points. Wow. He had a threat assessment score of negative 22. Negative 22 he points. He started off on a level four, worked his way down to a level one, and basically this was his reward. <laughs> and this is how they reward him. Yeah. The, and oh, now he's basically deemed a program failure, wow. you know, with two write-ups in a very short period of time. Wow. And, and basically because he won't give them information that's they're trying to squeeze information out of him he don't want to cooperate he he refuses to have while he will not house with SNY right with PC prison and you know and that's you know that's you know it's going to continue to happen um it's just you know the state understands this and they're going to continue to um you know instigate these things and the reason that you know and and I agree with you that you know it's job security for them And, and also I would say, you know, that, uh, and I've said it before, a lot of these guards, they've relocated from different parts of California. They've moved to these uh, rural prisons, and they brought their families. They bought homes. They put, you know, little little Johnny and and, and little Amber in school right by the prison. You know, they've built their lives around here. And then, you know, for... For these shoes, especially like Corcoran shoe, Pelican Bay shoe, uh, be shoe, for these shoes to empty out, and because, you know, prisoners are coexisting in these prisons now, um, you know, after the 2012 hunger strikes, and, you know, prisoners are coexisting, so as a result... Um, these shoes are emptying out because there's no more riots, there's no more this, there's no more that. And so um, because that's going on, um, they're going to be rerouted and sent to other prisons because there's just too many guards in a particular prison and the shoe, you know, is empty. So uh, to prevent that, they, you know, created this program where they're going to bring the PCs out of PC and mix them with the general pop. And, and this is a way to keep the riots going, to keep these people catching shoes uh, and, and gang activity, whatever they want to f- pull out these false labels and then um, have people fill up the shoes again. That way, you know, they don't have to relocate and they could keep their house and their business and everything else that they got going in these uh, rural communities. So, yeah, it's, it's just um, and so it basically comes down to money. That they're doing this, um, like you said, to keep their jobs and, as a result, keep their paychecks. So, and, and that's a kind of society we live in, you know, in a capitalist society where money comes before anything. And even though these prisoners are human beings, you know, they have uh, wives and they have children and they have this and that. 
um, you know, the state is just looking for the money and they just don't care. And that's capitalism for you. You know, the dollar comes before the people. And it's just a horrible situation that, that we're going through. But um, let me get to another question. Um, have you and other families been, what have you and other families been doing to raise awareness and attempt to stop these gladiator fights? So basically, we've we've banded together and protested at multiple uh, prisons. We had uh, two rallies in Sacramento uh, at CDCR headquarters. Uh, also met with um, legislation, reps from legislation, including the Senate and Assembly members. Uh, you know, expressing this the seriousness and severity of what of what's actually taking place with our incarcerated loved ones. We actually even had. Uh, meeting with Acting Secretary Ralph Diaz and his support staff twice. Mm. And what's he talking about? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, basically they they stated that they're they're hearing our concerns, but you know, there's no promise to stop this program. Yeah. Families were very sincere with their pleas. They they gave their you know individual stories, and um, you know, while they state that they empathize with us. It's a program that he's going to continue to push. So we, we really, the only recourse we have at this point is to fight them in the courts and to push for a legislative hearing. And what that would consist of would be um, family members could actually go and testify in addition to CDCR. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and old Ralphie says, you know, he empathizes and all that, but he really ain't going to do nothing. And, and the no. thing about it, the thing about it is exactly what you said, go to the state legislature and all that. Um, that was done, I remember, for the solitary confinement. It was done in the 90s, I believe. Then it was yeah. done again in the 2000s. And that really didn't do nothing because, um, you know, where the real, the real results came from is when um, everybody went on hunger strike. You know, when everybody went on hunger strike, um, you know, that's when they changed everything immediately. You know, they changed it immediately because I remember families were, and it's important to go. I think it's very important. I know families are going to Sacramento every month and when families go in front of the prisons because it's educating the um, public because a lot of the public don't know about this stuff. They don't have family members in prison. And so they don't know there's gladiator fights and all this. So I think... um you know, the legislature's good. I think that, um, you know, as more families organize and come to these um, protests and come and, and organize with you guys, I think that's where um, we're probably going to see the most um, developments. And, and, and also the state capitol in Sacramento. And, and, you know, as more and more momentum is built, you'll start seeing, just like with the hunger strike, actors and actresses were coming out writing letters they were donating money i mean everybody doing to jump on the bandwagon at some point once it becomes big enough so that's the thing is you know right now it's building and it's not just in california you know like i mentioned earlier prisoners in alabama are on hunger strike so it's 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 going on everywhere it's a continuous you know it's a what we call a protracted struggle so you know, it's not gonna. It's not a struggle that we're gonna win today, but it's a protracted struggle that you know we're gonna win in the long term. It's gonna be a long fight, 
And, you know, I, I'm glad that you're fighting it because, you know, I mean, we need more people to fight and we need more um, of everybody, more wives, more sisters, more brothers, more sons, more daughters. And, you know, I'm, I'm just very, very, you know, I, I seen the work that you're doing. I'm very proud of what you're doing, you know, and it's, it's a beautiful Thank thing, you. you know, to hear you and to hear you um, think clearly, you identify uh, who the enemy is you identify that the state is doing this that they are responsible and that they are wrong you identify that they do make laws that they don't follow and you know a lot of people don't see that they'll see the injustice occurring in the prisons but they won't see past that you identify it and 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 it's a very beautiful thing um when when you see somebody else who does identify what's really going on it's it's priceless you can't even you can't teach that in a university you know that's something that somebody has to grasp with their hearts and minds and, and i see you you got that down but let me um let me hit another question because we are running short on time here so um we have about four minutes left so very quickly um in your research what nationalities have you found being targeted the most uh for these gladiator fights i have actually identified multiple races it's it's primarily general population um you know initially they they would take them in in larger groups onto these sny yards now they're taking them in very small numbers Mm. Okay. And that's how they avoid it getting labeled a riot. Right. Right. They <laughs> so, keep it. Yeah, they but, keep but, it at a minimum. Yeah, d- definitely it's it's been multiple races, primarily general population. Mm. Okay. And and how can people get involved in this struggle? Um do you have an email or anything I where do. people could yes. get in contact with you? What is my it? My email address is my last name. It's Montalvo M O N T-A-L-V-O, Ruthie, R-U-T-H-I-E, at gmail.com. And I, I would really encourage families that, that want to join this movement to, to write letters, request meetings in the districts of which they are constituents with your assembly and Senate members. Um, they may also contact those legislators that have jurisdiction over the district where the prisons that their loved ones are, are housed at as well. Um, they can, you know, join the peaceful protests and rallies, um, and if they want to pursue any legal avenues, uh, they can also email me for additional information. Mm. Um, one thing I also want to to really stress to the families, if your loved one has been adversely affected mm. by a non-designated programming facility, please be sure that you have um, the medical records um, release form okay. filled out by your loved one and filed in the medical records department so that you mm. can request those medical records if okay. they have injuries and you will absolutely want to request copies of their RVRs, their 115s, okay. lockup orders, committee actions, et right. cetera. It's very imperative that you have all this Perfect. information. Perfect. And we got one minute left. Is there any last words you'd like to give to the listeners? I, I just really think that families need to come together on this, this issue, whether your loved one is on a level three or a level four, I, I highly anticipate if they keep pushing the level ones and twos as they have, um, they will be going to level threes and fours next. Mm, perfect. And uh, I think it's it's definitely a time to act and not just t- take a back seat because we're not yet affected. Oh, perfect. 
Well, thank you very much. And once again, Ruthie, I want to thank you. You, you know, you're, you're, you're an inspiration. I, I, I love it. I'm very proud what you're doing. I, I'm honored to be here standing, uh, you know, side by side with you. No matter where you're at, where I'm at, we're fighting the same fight. And uh, we have the same opponent. And we know who our enemy is. And we're going to continue this struggle. And all of our people, no matter if they're in prison or not, they're right there with us. And we're all fighting the same fight. We're going to continue to fight this fight until we are free, until we're liberated, until we fight and obtain our land back. And thank you once more. And this is Free Aslan.